Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. So before I jump in today, a shout out, because a lot of the information that I'm giving you today was actually not developed by me. It was developed by a wonderful acting teacher named John Dapolito, who, if you're an actor, you should check him out. Um, he has some of the most brilliant ideas about how to brand actors and how to use theme to find the roles that actors should play and the people who are most likely to cast them and the projects they're most likely to get cast in. And what I'm doing in this podcast is I'm actually taking a lot of John's work and I'm adapting it for writers to think, okay, how can you use this same idea if you're a screenwriter? Let me talk about what I mean by that. So theme. We don't usually think about theme when we think about selling a screenplay, right? Actually, we, we tend to think about the opposite, right? We tend to think when we're selling a screenplay, like, well, that's like business, right? Isn't that like four quadrant finance kind of stuff, right? Isn't that all about numbers and what's hot right now? We rarely think about the touchy feeling, emotional part of selling a screenplay. But having been on both sides of this picture, having been both a writer and a producer, I can tell you that the decision to buy a screenplay is not a rational decision. It's an emotional decision. The decision to invest years of your life into bringing something to the big or the small screen, that's not a pure numbers decision. That's an emotional decision. And I'm not saying that producers don't have numbers in their heads, and I'm not saying producers don't have mandates from their bosses or their CEOs. I'm not saying that there aren't business concerns that come in. As we talked about in episode one of this series, um, yeah, that's why it takes some luck to sell a script. You've got the business concerns and what's hot right now for this particular producer and how does that line up with your script. That's the part you can't control. But when it comes to having two scripts that both fulfill your business needs, which one you buy, which one you fight for, which one you give everything you've got, which one you want to dive in on, that's an emotional decision. And there's a really simple reason for this. There is no rational reason to spend a million dollars, $10 million, $100 million on a script. Most likely, if you had $100 million bucks in your bank account, you wouldn't be going, you know what, let me take all that cash and let me put it into something where most of the time it fails, right? This is the Hollywood business model. We are going to lose money on five movies. We're going to lose hundreds of millions of dollars. But then on the sixth movie, we are going to make so much money that it makes all that money back and more right? This is not a rational prog process, right? This isn't like, well, you know, we're, we found a niche in auto tires that isn't filled right now and a brand new. No, this is, this is a, an emotional space, right? This is a gambling space. And the finance model for both indie films and feature films and TV, it's a gambling model. Producers, yes, they have business plans, but they make emotional decisions. They are attracted to certain scripts, just like stars are attracted to certain scripts. 
just like directors are attracted to certain scripts. And the same people aren't attracted to every script. Thank God. If every producer was attracted to every script, if every actor or star or director was attracted to every script, well, your life would be hell. You would have to send your script to everybody. You would have no way of narrowing down who you wanted to pursue. Whereas, if you could, if there was some secret way that you could find the people who were most likely to be interested in the kind of stuff you write, well, those are your people, right? And those people would potentially be a lot more likely to respond to your material since they're already predisposed to it. Now, a lot of people think about doing this in terms of genre, right? They think, okay, uh, what, you know, this guy makes action movies, this guy makes zombie movies, this guy makes, uh, makes romances, right? They, they tend to think in terms of genre. But if you actually look at any producer's library, sure, there are some people who just make a certain kind of movie or a certain kind of TV show. There are some actors who just play that romantic comedy role. But most actors, most directors, most producers, they actually produce in multiple genres. So genre is not actually a particularly good way of finding the right producer. And in fact, you know, genres get hot. <laughs> like right now, everybody wants like, where's your horror thriller, right? Where's your elevated horror? You know, that really smart script. Where's your get out script, right? Everybody wants that right now, but low budget, right? Low budget. What do you have, right? Everyone happens to be asking for that right now because those kinds of scripts are making money. So those genre elements, they don't help us much. Now, sure, if you've got a historical epic, you probably want to go to somebody who produces historical epics. Uh, but it's not actually genre, for the most part, that defines what people want. You probably also notice that right now I'm not just talking about producers. I'm talking about actors, stars. I'm talking about directors. Often newer writers don't realize that part of getting your movie made, part of getting your script sold is not just getting to like the agent or the producer. It's often about the package that you put together. Um, and that package, sure, it might be just a really great producer. It might just be some money, right? There's a big difference picking up the phone and saying, hey, we got a million dollar budget and we have 500 and we need another five. Then it is going, hey, we've got no money. We've got nothing. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it is a star attachment. Sometimes it's a director attachment, right? It can be a lot of different things. Um, so this idea actually works across the gamut of putting together your package, right? It works whether you are trying to attract an agent, a director, an A-list actor, right? Whoever you're trying to attract, this is a valuable technique. People are attracted to themes. Why are they attracted to themes? Because crazy stuff happens to us when we are children that we spend the rest of our lives often trying to figure out, or we spend periods of our lives trying to figure out. If you think of Picasso's art, right? He went through different periods. His art always felt like Picasso, but 
he was in a blue period and then he became less interested in blue. He kind of figured out blue and he was like, well, what if I was to look at a flat surface from every possible angle and suddenly it's cubism, right? So just like uh, an, an artist like Picasso might go through different stages, so too do actors and directors and producers. But most people find themselves in a certain stage of wrestling with something deep and psychological that they might not even be totally aware of. Um, which I call theme. Now, I'm using theme in a slightly different way than probably a lot of the books you've read about theme. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please like, follow, and write us a review. If you want to check out Thursday Night Writes and study with us every Thursday for free, writeyourscreenplay.com slash Thursday. Link in the bio. A lot of people think about theme as like an intellectual concept. Like first you figure out your theme, right? And then you write the script that fulfills the theme. The way I think about theme is much deeper. The way I think about theme is that thing that is driving you, that you may or may not be consciously aware of, that somewhere inside of you is some beautiful and broken part of yourself you are trying to make sense of. Somewhere inside of you is some historical event that happened to you that you don't quite understand, but that is driving your actions. Somewhere deep inside of you is a part of yourself you want to show to the world or even maybe to yourself, is a question that you don't understand, is a change you want to create in the world. Somewhere deep inside you, there is this thing driving you. And even if you're not aware of it, as we often aren't, right, the act of writing is a therapeutic act, just like therapy. You come in, you're like, ah, I just do this one weird thing. And then years later, you learn about it's about your mother. In screenwriting, you're like, I got this great sellout idea for a script. And whoa, 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 15 layers down. And a few months later, you're like, oh, my God, it's about my mother, right? There is always a theme driving you, whether you're aware of it or not. And part of the process of developing a script, at least the way that we do it here at the studio, is mining for that theme and pulling that theme to the surface and developing the script around that theme once you become conscious of it so that the character goes on a journey in relation to that theme. And ultimately, what we'll do is we'll translate the theme into something called a hook. So you can think of the theme as like the subconscious version of the hook. And the hook, right, what makes this cool is actually just the conscious on the surface version of that theme. That These things are actually connected together, that even though they sound very different, they suggest each other. So the theme is actually the thing that hooks you as a writer. And the hook is the thing that hooks a producer, director, star to go, oh, maybe I'll read this. And really, when we pitch our work, we're, we're actually articulating both parts. But generally, we're letting the theme hover under the surface and we're leading with the hook. Whereas when we develop a script, we're actually focusing on the theme and trusting that the hook will come. So you have a theme. You might not know it at the beginning of writing your script, but you cannot make it to the end without knowing. Eventually, your theme is going to come out. And if you start to look at this script, and, and if you're really building your career right, if you've listened to the previous podcast, you know, hey, hey, 
we're not one hit wonders here, right? Writing a script, selling a script, building a career in this industry, getting staffed in a writer's room. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. So you're really focused on building a library. And if you're seriously out there trying to sell a script, then I really hope you have a library because usually the answer that you get when you pitch your script and someone reads your script is, ah, we loved it, but we got something similar in development. What else have you got? Or, ah, you're a great writer, but we didn't, we don't want to make this. What else have you got? Right? It's very rare that the answer is actually yes. So you want to have a library. So let's assume you have a library. You got a couple of features, a couple of pilots, right? Um, maybe a couple different genres, but somehow they kind of tell a story together about like who you are as a writer. And what's that story? That story is the theme. And even if you don't know it at the beginning, if you go back and read your scripts that you've written recently, you'll probably realize, oh my God, I'm in a period. Just like Picasso with his blue period or his cubist period. I'm in a period and I'm wrestling with a specific theme that all of these scripts have something similar about them. So once you find that thing, what you're going to do is you are going to write it down. And then you're going to start to think about synonyms for that theme. So let's say your piece is about love, right? Um, you might write down love, and then you might write down romance, and then you write, might write down connection. And then you might think deeper about the kind of love, and you might realize it's about troubled love, right? Complicated love, painful love, right? Uh, broken love, right? Uh, you're going to come up with as many different synonyms for your theme, and also trying to drill down and get more specificity about your theme. Um, and you're going to take the one starting with the one that feels best and you're going to go to imdbpro.com and you're going to spend the 10 bucks on a membership because you're trying to build a career as a screenwriter and they have an incredible search engine. They're not paying me for this. IMDb, this is a gift for you because your website is such an amazing resource for screenwriters. So you are going to go to imdbpro.com. You're going to buy your pro subscription, and that is going to give you access to their keyword search. Now, how do you get there? At the very top of the IMDb screen, you'll see a search bar. And on the left of the search bar, it's going to say all. And you're just going to click on that, and you're going to select keywords instead of all. Then you're going to drop your keyword in. Now, if you'll, you have a keyword that has multiple words in it, you're going to separate it by dashes so that it recognizes it. In this case, we're going to use a one word keyword. We're going to put in the word apocalypse. We're going to pretend that you are writing a movie or a show about apocalypse. Maybe it's a personal apocalypse, the end of the world. Apocalypse is the theme. Bang. And what this is going to bring up is a screen that shows you all the related keywords for apocalypse, apocalypse, apocalypse character, apocalypse survivor, and you can see post-apocalypse, and you can see how zombie apocalypse, and you can see how many titles for each. In this case, um, we want to pick one that has a lot of titles. So we are going to choose apocalypse. And once we click here on apocalypse, what's going to happen is 
Shows are going to start coming up. Movies are going to start coming up. All of us are dead. Attack on Titan. Don't look up. The Expanse, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so if we go ahead, we'll pick Don't Look Up since a lot of people know it. Um, if we're starting with Don't Look Up, Don't Look Up is going to have a full cast and crew, but you can get the summary right here, right? So, so we are going to now create a spreadsheet. And uh, we're going to basically make sure to catalog as many of the shows on the list that are related to our keyword as we can. We're not going to worry, did I like it? Did I hate it? Is it good? Is it bad? We're trying to get a lot of titles in so we can start seeing a pattern. So if we were starting with Don't Look Up, then here are the headers that we're going to want on our spreadsheet. Number one, we're going to want the title. Number two, we're going to want the star. Number three, we're gonna want the director. Number four, we're gonna want the producer. And number five, we are going to want the writer. Let's say you were doing this for Don't Look Up, you would put under the title, Don't Look Up. Under the star, Leonardo DiCaprio. Under the director, Adam McKay. He's also a producer. He's also a writer. Now, since there are more stars and more producers attached, we're going to keep on making lines because we want to make sure we get all of them. So here's Don't Look Up. Here is Jennifer Lawrence. We don't need to fill in the director. We've already got him. Um, but there's another producer, Kevin J. Messick. And there's another writer, David Sirota. And we're going to keep going through the spreadsheet until we have hundreds of titles, hundreds of stars, hundreds of directors, hundreds of producers, hundreds of writers, so that we can start to see the patterns of the people who keep showing up. Eventually, you can sort by any of these categories. You can sort by title. You can sort by star, by director, by producer, by writer. And you're going to start to see this guy shows up, that guy shows up from time to time, but certain people's names show up 20 times, 30 times on your spreadsheet. Those are your people. Those are your stars. Those are your directors. Those are your producers. Those are your writers. Those are the people on your theme. And you want the stars who are going to move your project forward. So, you know, the brilliant person who played waitress number three, but she was so incredible. Well, guess what? She probably isn't at a point in her career yet where she can help your script. So you're looking for the recognizable names, the people who are on the upswing of their career right now, who are your people. So right now you're not going to think about it. You're just going to make a long list of all the recognizable names that are in there with a line for each. For director, director is really only valuable in feature films. Um, in TV, uh, the directors don't matter as much. They tend to kind of rotate in or out, or it's the showrunner or stars directing. So it tends to matter less in TV, but if it's a feature, there's going to be one director. So on your first line, make sure you have the director's name as well. Um, why? Because getting a great director attached helps you move your project forward. See, so much of selling a script is not just about the script, it's also around about the package around the script. And that package, quite frankly, might just be money, right? Hey, we have a million dollar budget, we've raised 500,000, we need another 500K. Well, guess what? That's a much easier phone call. 
Uh, sometimes it's about a star attachment. Hey, we've got this incredible star attached. And look, at the beginning of your career, if you don't currently have a powerful agent or manager, if you're not hooked up with a huge production company, that probably isn't Leonardo DiCaprio. But most of these stars have production companies. And most of these production companies are very small, which means the staff might be one person whose primary job is really just to read scripts that might be right for that star. And often you'll find you can get to that person a lot easier than you can get to a big-time executive producer. You'll find that that person is actually easier to access and more accessible because all they do is read scripts. And there's a good chance a few years ago that they were an assistant, that they're in the early stages of their career, unless this actor happens to have a huge production company. So you're using actors, you're using directors in the same way. Um, sometimes a director can be the thing that pushes your script over the top. And remember that these people also have connections. So if they're interested, they can help you move your project forward. They can potentially help you get hooked up with an agent. Um, they can help you get to the right production company, even if they're not acquiring the script themselves, just by going, hey, here's a letter of intention, right? I want to be a part of this. Or, hey, this is a script I'm interested in developing. They might be able to help you along. So you got your stars, you got your director, um, producer, again, each uh, producer gets their own line so that you're capturing all the producers, especially the little ones, right? The person who is like associate producer, well, that person's at the early stage of their career and that person actually is looking for scripts and they probably don't have the direct connection to CAA, right? They probably don't have, they're not like the great white shark in Hollywood. They're in the early stages of their career. So oftentimes those are amazing people to reach out to. Um, and finally, the writer. <laughs> the writer, believe it or not, probably can't help you. The writer might be able to help you as a mentor. Um, but the writer is unlikely to be the person who sells your script. But what's the value? Well, writers have agents. Writers have managers. And what's going to happen is as you start to build out this list, any one line doesn't really mean crap. But as you start to build out this list, what you're going to notice is that certain names keep showing up again and again and again, project after project after project after project. For an easy example, you guys all know the work of George Clooney. Well, nearly every script that George Clooney makes is about identity. Who is George Clooney? Who is Michael Clayton? Who is the fantastic Mr. Fox? Who is the American, right? Almost all of George Clooney's scripts in some way are about identity. Not every single project, but most of the projects that he's involved in. And so if your script happens to be about identity, you're going to see George Clooney's name show up again and again and again and again and again. And you'll start to go, I think George might be one of my people. Um, now, Producers and, and agents and managers, they have the same stuff going on, right? They're often not aware of it. Just like probably if you ask George, he might not go, I make scripts about identity. He might just go, I just love this script. I just connected to it. I wanted to do Michael Clayton, they they paid me nothing for it. I I I worked, I worked for uh for minimum, um, but I just loved it. I needed to do it. Well, why? Not only because it was a great script, but it was on his theme. So what you're doing is you're trying to compile hundreds of lines on this list. 
And then you can start sorting. You can start sort by actor, you can sort by director, you can sort by star, and you're going to start to see who your people are. Who are the people who are on your theme? You're going to make a list of your top five and start with producers, start with actors, start with directors, start wherever you want. Almost all of them have production companies. Your top five writers, well, guess what? Don't look for the top five writers who are huge writers. Look for the top five writers who are maybe have just written their first project, but you like their work. Because guess what? Their agent is probably at the level that they're looking for people like you, their manager. And their agent or their manager probably is on the same theme, not consciously, subconsciously. That's probably why they are representing these people. So again, only in volume can we see these trends. And again, this is not my technique. Thank John Dapolito for this incredible work. Um, but if you do this, you can start to identify your top five. You want to watch every film that these people have made. You want to make sure you really love them. You want to know their library inside and out. And then you want to pick one and you want to start talking to everyone about them. Because there's such a big difference in going, hey, I really want to get to this producer because he has made this movie and this movie and this movie and this movie. Uh, I really want to get to this agent because she represents this writer and this writer and this writer and this writer. And I do projects that are on similar theme. Um, and I just know that they would respond for my, to my work. I know this is the right project for them. And believe it or not, somewhere in your six degrees of separation, somebody freaking knows them. Memorize their picture. Find out where they're speaking. Go bump into them. These are your people. And it's so much easier to seek out your people than it is to seek out anyone. Because when you say, hey, would you introduce me to any producer? Right? Most likely, no one's going to help. But if you have a really strong case for why you're looking for this person, it's likely that somebody knows their dry cleaner, that eventually you're going to get an introduction, that you're going to bump into them in the street, that you're going to bump into them at a film festival and you know them and you have stuff to talk about because you know their library. In the next podcast, we're going to start talking about how to get past the gatekeepers once you actually find those people, right? Uh, the ideal way is to get an introduction. Introductions are the way the world really works. But there are ways you can get in through cold calling as well, so we will talk about that. But the concept here is really simple. Figure out your theme. Find the people who are on your theme. And remember, especially when it comes to producers, especially when it comes to agents, you're not looking for the huge people if you're at the beginning of your career. If you're listening to this podcast and you need this podcast, you're not looking for the creme de la creme top of the top because those people are too big for you unless they already love you, unless Brad Pitt is your next door neighbor and he already loves you, right? Um, those people are too big. You're looking for the people who are going to be the big thing a few years from now. You're looking for the people who are one step or two steps above where you are right now. 
because those are the people who are desperate for writers like you, for emerging writers who are looking for those kinds of scripts. You're looking for the star who just needs that vehicle to make the leap from this to this. The person who is a beloved supporting actor who just needs that, that lead role, right? And you are now presenting them a script that they are a lot more likely to like because it's on their theme. One last bit about this is you want to learn how to talk about yourself in terms of your theme so that you're not saying, hey, I'm Jake and I write thrillers. You're saying, hey, I'm Jake and I write pieces about loss leading to fractured worlds. You know, and that could be a movie like The Fountain. That could be a movie like What Dreams May Come. That could be a movie, two of the movies I most wish I got to rewrite. Um, that could also be a movie like the Matthew Shepard story, right? You can see that that theme, which truly is a theme that I have wrestled with in a lot of my writing, that that theme actually helps people understand me. In fact, even my comedy scripts. Uh, I'm working on a script called The Amateurs right now, but guess what? It's about loss leading to fractured worlds. It's my theme. It's not something I'm consciously putting into my writing. It's something that just keeps showing up. It's important to remember what we talked about at the very beginning. Buying a script, supporting a script, helping a script get to the next level is not a rational decision. Sure, it is framed by an emotional, rational world, but there is no rational way to spend a million dollars, a hundred million dollars, not even a hundred thousand dollars. The rational way is to stick it in the bank and never work again. So when people take these kinds of gambles with their money or with their careers going, yes, I know boss that this is an unproduced writer. I know they've never done, but you must read this script. When somebody goes, yo, I know you're afraid to give me money for this little project that seems so unlikely, but you've got to read this script. You've got to give me this money. This movie is going to work. This show is going to work. Where does that come from? It doesn't come from a bunch of numbers. It comes from passion. And where does that passion start with? That passion starts with theme. So stand by for next episode. We're going to be talking about how to get past the gatekeepers. If you're enjoying what you're seeing here, like and follow. And if you want to study with me, then check out Thursday Night Write. It is free every Thursday night. WriteYourScreenplay.com slash Thursday. Link in the bio.